away. Experts don't believe the city is at risk of being inundated by lava, but the volcano is shooting up small bits of debris that can travel miles and catch on fire when they reach the ground. Luke Vargas, the United Nations. You're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland, KQAC HD3 Portland, and our sister station, KXRW LP Vancouver, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. Support for X-Ray FM comes from the historic White Eagle Saloon, presenting a variety of live music from regional and national artists and offering pub-themed dinner options, cocktails, updated sound, adjoining courtyard, hotel rooms, and legends of ghostly hauntings. Located on Lower Russell Street in Northeast Portland, full schedule at WhiteEagleSaloon.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Marigold Coffee, serving meticulously roasted coffee from quality committed farmers around the world since 2008. Marigold Coffee Coffee is available at New Seasons and Whole Foods around Portland and at their cafe at Southeast 28th and Holgate. Online orders and more information can be found at marigoldcoffee.com. X-Ray. presents an x-ray production welcome to radioactive broadcasting from the belly of the falcon art building radioactive discusses news cultures and tells compelling stories bringing a global perspective from the heart of portland oregon to the world we interview social change makers thinkers builders creators or anyone with a unique and powerful story giving you a fresh authentic view of our world and those living in it Please welcome your host, the iconist Jamie Mustard, and co-host, the man of the people, Chris Regentine. Welcome to Radioactive on X-Ray FM. I am Jamie Mustard, and joining me in the studio is the man on the street, Chris Regentine. And special guest host, the female voice of Radioactive, the powerful May Arden. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Hey, Jamie. On Radioactive, we are going to break down news, culture, and the issues of the world from a fresh and human perspective. So, Chris, uh, what are we going to talk about today? This is our inaugural show on X-Ray. First episode. So, I think we should start by discussing uh, big stories. So, let's let's do a couple softballs to get get the show rolling on x-ray and we can talk about uh me too trump's first year and the truth about so-called s-hole countries how's that sound sounds great man the truth huh (laughs) well (laughs) our truth yeah okay may what do you think sounds good all right okay so chris uh what is me too I think, you know, if we were going to summarize it, we'd say that it's a, a hashtag social media campaign that was, I think, started by Alyssa Milano, if I remember correctly, when the Harvey Weinstein thing was shaken down. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Alyssa Milano. Rose McGowan. I mean, I mean. No, it might have been Alyssa Milano. Okay. Yeah. May, can you Google that while we're talking? I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Rose McGowan, but maybe, no. I think it's Rose McGowan. 
Anyway. Will, do you know if it's Rose McGowan or? Okay, all right. So it's Rose McGowan. So okay, and what does it represent? <clears throat> I'd say it's uh, it's um, giving voice to victims of uh, sexual assault, especially in Hollywood, and people who you know women. Especially. But what is it practically in the real world? Was it? Just a Facebook campaign. Oh my! It was Alyssa Milano. <laughs> it was Alyssa Milano. Yeah. I'm right. Oh, look at me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're very what, woke, Chris. Yeah. What? What? So what was it? It was it a Facebook thing only? Because I just know it from Facebook. Or well, Twitter, I think, is where it originally Facebook started. Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And and it's it was a way of women showing solidarity that they too had had, had, had devi- that they too had experienced. We have to be really exact about this because we're going to talk about it. And it kind of sure, has sure. it's it's kind of spread out and evolved as a movement, and it's gotten kind of confusing to what the movement is. So I think it's really important that we define it up front. So I'm going to get you to you're going to have to commit to this, Chris. Okay, so I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> saying I'm saying that it's a um, it was Facebook, Twitter, and it was a, a, a hashtag Me Too. Putting that on Twitter or Facebook was a way for women to show solidarity, show solidarity, and to show how pervasive. It was that women were experiencing harassment, uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Right. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say it was. It was initially focused on workplace and uh, power dynamics and exploitation of power dynamics between you know men who are in power exploiting women who are um, under them. I Primarily in relation to work. May, do you want yeah, to expand and I would say on? That, you know, yeah. started in Hollywood, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. started in Hollywood. May, do you want to expand on that? Or, or do you think that was a good assessment? Yeah, I, I would ag- I would agree with that assessment. Okay, good. So, Chris, what is Time's Up? Hashtag Time's Up. Um, <laughs> that's a good question, man. I haven't paid as much attention to that one. I think uh, it's somehow loosely related to it. Why don't you fill me in? What is it? May, do you know what Time's Up is? Uh, from what I can gather, Time's Up is a movement toward um, equality in pay. So it's sort of like a branching off of the Me Too, veering into um, equality for women in the workplace um, in terms of what they're paid and then also how they're treated and sexual misconduct and things like that. Can you pull that up? Because I feel like we're spinning off the planet here on our first episode. Um, we need to have facts. I think that I thought Time's Up was just saying people aren't going to get it. It's like a more aggressive extension of the Me Too movement that we're going to be taking you out. Time's Up, right? Um, Meryl's, didn't Meryl Streep give a speech? Where I don't she know. Pull it up. Okay. Chris, do you have anything to say? Do you know what Time's Up is? Oh, it's a legal defense fund that provides subsidized legal support to those who have experienced sexual harassment, assault, or abuse in the workplace. Time's up. Okay, and how long has it been around? Uh, since January 1st of this, this year. year yeah. Okay, so Chris, uh, you said that you had, before the show, you said that you had a way that you wanted to start talking about it. I will say that um, there is a uh, much-needed reckoning occurring in the world today. And uh, it might be, and what we're going to be talking about today is, in certain cases, is it going too far? Yeah, man. Well, what I want, yeah. So I think that what's happening in Hollywood is obviously very needed. You know, if there's, Hollywood has a a history of, I guess, corruption and sort of conglomeration of power. And um, 
there are clearly very powerful people in Hollywood that have exploited their power and use it to their advantage. The whole, um, I think a good example is the history of the casting couch mm-hmm. you know, that goes back to like the twenties mm-hmm. when Hollywood was, you know, just beginning that the whole idea of the casting couch has gone back that far. And, um, that was something that, you know, Harvey Weinstein especially was, uh, notorious for the idea of the casting couch, you know, and, it was thrown around in vernacular in Hollywood. So, um, how do you say like casually? Like, well, it I became think that I think in Hollywood, you culturally. and I, you know, may I love made a way in on this. I, I think in Hollywood and in politics in Washington D.C., you have men not only that are making a lot of money, but have positions of power that maybe feed your ego. If you run a movie studio, if you're a movie director, if you're a congressman or a senator, you're, you're having, uh, so it's more than just being the boss. You're, you're in a position that's feeding your sense of, uh, of masculine power or something like that. I mean, so I think it's, it's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about it in relation to Hollywood or Washington is maybe an exact, an exacerbated version of what goes on in the world every day right may what would you say yeah i mean it's not it goes back a lot further than the 20s like actresses for hundreds and hundreds of years were often courtesans or uh, like women of that kind of strata and just in western culture like women are you know expected to you know do what men say and and sort of be at their beck and call and so i think that it goes back a lot further than the 20s and it's not obviously just in it goes back to kind of our roots as a culture as a society where women have had to kind of fight and scrap for a place that they should just have as human beings but um, so, Chris, you said, was there some way that you wanted to start discussing about this before I move on? Yeah, no, um, I just wanted to touch on, you know, Sunday night was the Screen Actors Guild Awards. And um, Aziz Ansari, of course, has been in the news recently. And he did not attend the SAG Awards, even though he was up for an award. He was nominated for, I think, something in Master of None. I don't know what exactly the award was, but he didn't attend. And um, when his name was announced, I think it was actually for and uh, a lead actor role is what it must have been. When his name was announced in the lineup, there was zero applause and like this weird, you know, deafening Crickets. silence in the room. Yeah, and and then they moved on very quickly from his name without lingering or giving anyone time to applause and went on to the next. Well, interestingly enough, James Franco was also nominated um, for one of his roles and he was in that lineup as well and received, you know, normal... So like what did Aziz, what did, what did Aziz Ansari do? Am I saying his name correctly? So yeah, Aziz Ansari. I mean, that, that is that has made him so vilified that people won't clap his name at the SAG Awards. The SAG Awards. Yeah. Okay. Sunday night. Screen Actors Guild Awards. Right. Okay. Well, so uh, we've probably all heard now that Aziz Ansari uh, came under fire from um, a, an article that was posted on a publication called babe an online publication called babe that um exposed a date that he had with a photographer from brooklyn who was about 10 years younger than him um, and she alleged that he behaved uh aggressively and um i suppose 
Cut to the chase. Basically, they he messed around. Assaulted. No, they, <laughs> made, assaulted. they made they made out. There was no real sexual right. assault. It was kind of herky jerky, like often, uh, you know, when you're, you know, if you're. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it it's up for debate whether or not it was. Yeah, I I guess legally it's not sexual assault, but then. Well, she said no, and then he stopped, and and then they then started again, and then they said no, and they had an interaction, but not. That unusual compared to many interactions that go on between uh, men and women every day. And uh, this woman wrote about it on a magazine called Babe, which is an Internet magazine, and it got picked up as a major story. And uh, there's been a lot of critics that have said that it's harmed the Me Too movement because it's taking something. You know, we've taken this thing that's really about sexual domination in the workplace. And we're saying every time uh, men and women have a strained interaction, uh, women are being assaulted and there was no assault here right so yeah so, so it's like so 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 you know it kind of gets into uh the bigger problem which is there's a there's a sea change occurring a reckoning occurring in a shift a cosmic shift occurring in the world right now that is very necessary but it's it's also kind of bumping up and braming and hitting up against a kind of almost potential McCarthyism where a lot of people are being taken out without due process. And I'm not saying that corporations need to follow the same. They don't have a threshold of court of law. They can do whatever they want. Right. But uh, there isn't, there's a lot of people are being accused and losing their jobs. And maybe this is an example of it going off. You know, why don't, I would say it like this, that I want to ask you this question. Then I want May to comment as, um, the female voice of radioactive. <laughs> Isn't it awkward, Chris, when any man, you know, uh, pursues a woman and she's kind of maybe not sure, hey, maybe I like him, maybe I don't like him, or, oh, I didn't know he liked me. I mean, aren't those interactions of kind of men asking women out, can't they, aren't they by nature awkward often? Yeah. I, I think that they have been since the beginning of time. I, I they're actually w one of the more interesting. So there's a lot of really blurry lines on this particular topic, and it people fall on pretty firmly on either side of this weirdly drawn line. Many women and men are saying that this was a clear case of sexual assault. Many other writers are, and you know, outlets like the New York Times and the Atlantic ran pieces, um, op-ed pieces about about it and how it was more like a a bad Yelp review of a date, you know? I thought that was the most interesting. <laughs> okay, so, so a bad Yelp review of a date, and then it seems to me the consensus has been, the way I looked at that story is it's completely destructive to the Me Too movement because it takes away from this serious power dynamic issue, which is the Me Too, Me Too movement in the workplace, and it turns it into kind of, you know, a, 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 a letter to Cosmo about, a, a bad date or doing something you wish you didn't want to do because I mean, well, let's start. Let me ask you a couple questions. May have you ever felt when you've been asked out uh, just by the nature of being asked out, the guy didn't necessarily do anything wrong, but d just the nature of the power dynamic between men and women that can often be physiological. Has that ever made you feel threatened or pushed? Um, yes. So, so, so yes. So does does that mean that you were violated in some way, or is 
that part of just the nature of men and women interacting with each other? I think that um, I'll start by saying that even though I think that the purpose of the article was in large part to humiliate Aziz Ansari. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate because I think that he is in many ways a really good guy. Um, but I, I like that it was published because it started a conversation about what is consent and um, what are these boundaries that we're trying to teach young women and what is being assertive and what is being um, powerful and <clears throat> you know when are you supposed to learn those things and how do you learn those things and you know some might argue that this is the kind of situation in which as a young woman you learn like oh I don't like that and so I'm going to learn how to express that I don't like that. I think there was like a, a few articles that I read that expressed this um, that this point of view from uh, what did she call herself? Grace, who is the person who mm -hmm. wrote about the date with Aziz Ansari, that it displayed that she had a lack of agency, like she was, you know, like helpless in the entire thing. And she, she did, and she's anonymous. She didn't step up and say who she no, was. Totally I mean, there's yeah. one detail that they include in the article that I felt was really unnecessary, which is how she comments on how he served her white wine and, and she, she wanted, like red, wine, wanted yeah. red wine i mean you know on a first date like i don't know like you just kind of compromise work it's it bad out yelp like <laughs> i wanted red wine, yeah. red wine and then there's so many kinds of red wine and there was I no mean, parking did she, want a Pinot? did she want a cabernet how dare you serve malbec <laughs> okay all right so, so okay okay can i so bring this around home real quickly before we move on so yeah no, let's I, tie this into the james franco thing because the james franco thing Last night, he, you know, Sunday night, he was still at the SAG Awards, received applause. No one seemed to be phased by James, James Franco being there. But Aziz Ansari, for some reason, is too hot to handle. James Franco has seemingly done far more questionable things. And some of the allegations against him seem way more legitimate than anything that's come I, out see, against he, okay, Aziz. Okay, so listen, I'm going to keep talking about this issue just in terms of like, like the the dynamics between men and women and how they're hard to read. So I want to go a little further, but I will. I'm going to comment on the James Franco thing, and I'm going to comment on the Aziz and Zara thing and why he didn't get applause. I think people in Hollywood are hypocrites and they're awkward. Okay, so first of all, you know the the Me Too movement has come out of Hollywood, but how many ho people in Hollywood knew what Harvey Weinstein was doing and were complicit in it for decades? Yeah, Matt Damon, but yeah, and yeah, ben, ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah, but then the minute it comes and Quentin Tarantino came out and admitted that he knew right, right? right so right. and then they turn around and pontificate on what everyone else can do so there's a, a lot of hypocrisy sure going on but i think that probably what occurred at the sag awards and again there's way too many award shows so i did not make it to the sag awards nor did i watch the sag awards no, on I just TV. Read about <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either, yeah okay but uh i think that people were just awkward if he had been there they would have clapped for him I just don't think they knew what to do. Well, That's like I said, it was almost like Aziz is too hot to handle. Like, yeah. oh, don't touch that. And then but the, Franco. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Well, yeah. And then James Franco, like, if you've been into, you know, he got, I, I think his allegations had to do with kind of him doing some really explicit, strange stuff in acting, as an acting instructor, right? Sure. Yeah. So if you've ever been to an adult acting class, they're weird and they do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. But then there is, you know, I understand that you want to move away from this, but really quickly. 
James Franco reached out to a 17-year-old girl on Instagram, direct messages last year or whenever it was, and uh, asked her how old she was, and she said 17. He asked if she was 18 and asked you know, if she wanted to meet up, and she said, I'm 17. And after she said that, he said, great, well, what hotel do you want to meet at? And so he was totally unfazed by the fact that she was not of legal age. It's not a good look for him. Okay. And there was another there w- there was another girl who's friends with that girl who dated him for a bit. And she was 23 uh, who had some serious uh allegations against him being inappropriate to her as well. So, he's had more he's had more things that have come out against him that are that are a bit more justified. His behavior is a little bit more um, okay. Okay. So, so let's peel that back a little bit. I mean, yeah, I'm go. not saying that what he did is appropriate, but a lot of these things. I mean, we're a nation of laws, and different countries, and different people have wildly different viewpoints about these things. Like if you go to England, and I lived there for a long time, the age of consent is 16. Sure. Right. And um, so that wouldn't be that big of a deal in England, but here it's against the law. And does he? deserve to it's not a good look but does he deserve to lose his potentially lose his career over i mean aren't i mean part of it is like what we are on a primal level and i feel like nobody talks about this right i mean aren't we as men just kind of, um primally designed to be sexually aggressive as part of the procreation of the species i'm not saying it, it doesn't justify anything but aren't those just like the the dynamics of who we are a little bit as mammals yeah, but I mean that's part of that's part of being a intelligent individual is that you have to put the brakes on your primal urges using your intellect, you know. That's that's part of our responsibility as humans. May, do you agree with this whole human responsibility sentence thing that Chris is talking about? Oh, the whole sentence thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also want to point out though that I read that James Franco um they were like simulating an orgy scene in his class and he like there's supposed to be like a plastic guard up and basically he like took the guard down, which would that would constitute de- like technically as some sort of violation that goes beyond text messaging like a younger girl. Yeah, he his, I think his behavior was just generally displayed to be kind of questionable or or, or scummy, you know, um, but then, you know, also he he did the deuce which i don't know if you've watched that on hbo or not yet but it's about um you know the sex industry in new york in the 70s i believe mm-hmm. anyway um the deuce great show and and he's clearly an artur and a very very talented very gifted actor director producer and so some of these like acting classes in whatever he was casting women from the acting classes you know saying oh you'll be in um these features that i'm producing and there was one particular feature that still doesn't have distribution. It isn't out yet. And it had some particularly salacious scenes that were okay. ad-libbed right. and whatever that he did off the cuff. And so they're, they're saying, oh, you know, he was like bringing us in topless and whatever to ad-lib these scenes. It's like, well, yeah. And you okay, see so, what he so produces. Sarah- he produces really great, very, very realistic, gritty oh. work. You know? Okay. So say all this is true. We know he produces gritty work. We know he's had some bad looks. Yes or no? Should this impede uh, James Franco's ability to work? Yes or no, Chris? Um, I don't know if it should impede his yeah, ability. Yes or, that was not yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes or no? Like, we got to wrap this up. I, I don't know if I can get a yes okay, or no. Okay, May, yes or complex. no? Could it impede his ability to work? Yo. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, all right. Okay, so what about the case? Let's moving on. Let's talk about Woody Allen. So here's a case where he was accused by one person, okay, of something horrible. She seems very, very credible. There was a thorough investigation by um, the uh, New York uh, PD, and he was cleared. Um, the uh, DA found no evidence that uh, um, uh, of that he did this thing, um, that he molested his daughter. Um, but he did some weird things where he married his adopted daughter, right? And they're still married 20 years later. Well, I think the DA then felt like there was some evidence, but then that Dylan, his daughter, was too fragile to stand trial, if I remember correctly. I mean, there was no... Yeah, my, my point is that he was not um, charged, okay? And there's no kind of smoking gun uh, evidence sitting there that says for sure... It's really a he said, she said. Um, and should and now you're seeing this movement which started off with Harvey Weinstein it just these guys are falling like dominoes whether it's um Matt Lauer or um Bill O'Reilly Bill O'Reilly right um, these i mean and these are mildly apples and oranges because if we're talking about the me too movement like we tried to establish earlier this is about power dynamics in workplace and exploiting your position of power in order to attain sexual favors or something like that. Woody Allen's case isn't exactly the same as that. But are you leading up to should Woody Allen be well, working? Yeah, well, I'm saying that actors are now starting to come out based on a he said, she said that's decades old, um, saying that uh, Rebecca Hall came out and said that she wished she had not worked with him. Alec Baldwin is defending him. Uh, yeah, I mean, based on a he said, she said, he's accused, he's cleared. Um, and now there's a movement for this guy not to be able to direct films. I'm not a huge, I'm not saying I'm a Woody Allen fan one way or the other. I'm saying at one point, does this cease to be Me Too and start to be a form of, you know, McCarthyism, a witch hunt, right? Yeah, I don't believe in the trial by social media and the trial by public opinion, yet it is a thing. And I suppose that this is this is part of human culture, that whether or not it's fair, there's a reason that we have a you know, courts of law and judicial procedures that, you know, try to determine as fairly as possible if someone is guilty of something or not. But unfortunately, public opinion is a thing. And if you behave in ways that turns the public opinion against you, I don't know how to help you. You know, like, I suppose it goes back to the, the thing that we mentioned earlier about, you know, being responsible and using your intellect and having moral and ethical guidelines to attempt to behave in ways that aren't going to make you vilified in people's eyes. So if Woody Allen can no longer direct because of things that he did, that, you know, the, the court of law, the ruling is not ambiguous, but seems to be in his favor, yet the court of public opinion says, this guy seems like a creep. Okay, so How do you help him? So to wrap this up, what I would say is this. To wrap this up, I would say... The Me Too movement needs to be a workplace movement, not just in Hollywood or in Washington, D.C., but in every workplace. And that uh, corporations are not held to the same standard as a court of law, so they can do whatever they want. And I think if there's overwhelming evidence and multiple reports, they don't need due process. They can just say, uh, this guy's not a representative of what we're trying to do in this company, and they can 
kick him out on a case-by-case basis. But I do think that we need to be very, very aware of uh, that this is a workplace movement and not start destroying people's careers based off their peccadillos. And, um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my take on it. And keep it to a workplace movement. Don't dis- destroy the movement by making it uh, spread to a situation where any situation where, that looks weird or a woman has felt uncomfortable and have due process uh, whenever possible. But if, if there is a case where there is a story coming out like Matt Lauer and there's just tons of accusations... Uh, yeah, I think a corporation needs to do what it needs to do to protect itself and to be part to represent what it wants to represent. I mean, on the business end of things, people cutting ties with people that are controversial or too hot to handle, like I was saying, it might not be fair to the person. Like in the case of Aziz Ansari, I don't necessarily think that he deserves, you know, if to he have was there, ties cut if, with him. But but you can't. Like, how are you going to we're living in the information age and the social media age. It's like we can't control the way that public opinion spreads. Yes, know? we we can. We can we can start how we can stand up and we can say, hey, that's not cool. This needs to be based on evidence and it needs to be a workplace thing. And people that have gone through due process, even if we don't like them and we disagree with them, uh, we can't just um, it stop or impede people's ability to work based on accusation alone and leave it at that. I mean, that that that's where that's where uh, and I think that that would be the most credible solution. That being said, it is an amazing time in the world in terms of uh, a reckoning and a, sh- a shift occurring where, um, you know, women are able to express themselves and experience their uh, full humanity. And and uh, we should all be grateful for that. So, um before we we're going to take a quick break before we move into the next section and talk about Trump's first year and asshole countries this is radioactive
Welcome back to Radioactive on X-Ray FM. I'm the iconist, Jamie Mustard, joined by the man of the people, Chris Regantine, and the female voice of Radioactive, the powerful Mayor. Welcome, guys. We're back. Okay? So we're going to keep it moving here, all right, and discuss... Uh, the easy topics of what's going on today and try to have a more honest uh, dialogue than the kind of uh, political divisiveness in which people stand on one line or the other and try to be real and human about these issues uh, that we're talking about. So now I'd like to talk about um, Trump and his uh, s-hole comment. So, Chris, what is... A s-hole country. Well, I think for starters, if you, I mean, you're you're gonna be maybe surprised to hear that this is my perspective on this, but I think it's I think that's totally obscene and disrespectful. I don't think that there's any reason for anyone in any sort of position of authority to describe anything else as an s-hole. It's total. I just I think that it's completely lacking in any intelligence. Okay, so Chris, you're from Parkdale, Oregon, in the Gorge. That's correct. Is Parkdale an asshole. I mean, wh- I'm, you're going to need to define that word for me because I don't even know what that means. I'm asking uh-huh. you to define it. Okay. I think it means like, well, I actually looked it up in the dictionary yeah, and I got the it. Oxford definition of it. I just need to find it here. Um, where did I put that? Um, it says that it's basically an unpleasant, nasty place to be is an asshole. Yeah, well, then Parkdale is definitely not an asshole. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we drove through it the other day. Would you say there's asshole elements to it? Um, less and less these days. You know, it's it's really on the come up. Okay. All right, May. You're from Hood River, just down the street from Parkdale, right? Yeah. I mean, like, let's have honest dialogue about these things. So, like, the way people talk when they think that uh, when you know, as, as uh, Trump would say, locker room talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Do the uppity Hood River people see par- the Parkdale people as s-holers? No. How do they see Parkdale? Uh, just different. Like, there's a lot of orchardists that live in Parkdale and people who work the land. And like, Hood River has gotten more full of like engineers and so farmers are in Parkdale. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and your parents, your parents are farmers, right? Yeah, yeah, right, Chris. Okay. Right. So, Chris, I think you need to hang out in Parkdale more. Uh, it's maybe. beautiful. Okay. I would agree. Like, I, I love Parkdale. Yeah. We were there together a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Thought it was pristine. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Uh, I mean, there were some people collecting cars and stuff like that. You know. So what? I'm, 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 <laughs> Let them I'm have a car collection on their lawn. <laughs> I think if you go to any place where there's like lots and lots of land, you're gonna find cars. Car collectors. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, uh, you did development work in Peru. Yeah. Is Peru an s-hole? And what did you do there? Um, yeah, I worked for a nonprofit for years there, and um, I have been in the the poorest places in Peru. You know, people living in the most unbelievable conditions stone houses with sheet metal roofs in the middle of deserts it's pretty wild but you know as far as the s-hole comic goes i've traveled quite a bit and i really enjoy traveling to new places and i've lived in developed underdeveloped countries like peru and ecuador for you know a few years stretch on end uninterrupted and fell in love with them and it's because if you spend enough time in any place 
you're going to encounter the things that culturally make it beautiful and not an asshole. So Trump's comment is especially offensive because whether or not some of these underdeveloped countries lack, you know, the the engineering level or something that our country has. I don't even really know what he was referring to, but whether or not they're they're engineered or appear on a lower level, if you really immerse yourself in the culture, you're going to find things that are that are really enjoyable and really beautiful. And that's the things that I remember from Peru. Yes, are there open sewers there? Absolutely. Have I used pit latrines that had buildings that were built on top of them that were falling into the pit latrine on the side of a mountain and it was completely disgusting? Totally. Yes, I've done that. You know, have I been sick with the most awful, awful gastrointestinal problems for weeks Whoa. on end? Yes. That, I mean, I've, I've never been as sick as I was in the jungle in Ecuador for 14 straight days. I lost 25 pounds. So, yeah. Are there things about them that make them did you use, quote unquote asshole? Did you use an asshole when you were sick? <laughs> yes. Okay. Literal, literal assholes. Uh, but anyway, the point is, is that I don't, I don't remember it for those things. I remember it for the the food and the music and the people that I met and things like that. And that's that's what is so offensive about Trump's comment. Okay, well, May and I were at a party uh, a couple weeks ago, not long after he made the comment. It was about a couple weeks ago, right? Uh-huh. And uh, there's a guy there that I would call a friend and colleague. We, we probably disagree on a lot of things. I wouldn't call him conservative, but I would call him very libertarian. I'm, let's not say who he is, okay? And he, uh, you know, I, I made a joke when I walked in. Uh, we it was at a, this really fancy house in uh, the suburbs. Very well-to-do, very very successful guy. Massive. You can almost call it a mansion. And I walked in, and I said, "This place is an s-hole." Okay. And then the, the guy kind of said, "Well, hey, you know, let's be honest." Okay. He's a and he's a, a a white man. Maybe suffers from a bit of white privilege. If you're listening to this, know that that I still love you, but I'm gonna call it what it is and he basically asked me he said have you ever been to bangladesh i said no i i haven't been to bangladesh and he said i have uh it's an asshole okay so may is it wrong to call any place on earth an asshole um yes because i think that it's irresponsible I think it's irresponsible to demonstrate to that to young people, especially because it's just not productive to think in the world, think of the world in those terms. Chris, you you've made your point. Yeah, and you know, prior to living in Peru and Ecuador, I lived in Zurich, Switzerland, and you can eat off the sidewalks in Zurich. I have. They are unbelievably clean. You know, that city is pristine. I had a schnitzel on a sidewalk, like literally on the cement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so but but in comparison, you know, some people might think that materialistic people that don't see humanity in others in the neighborhoods they live in, whether it be Beverly Hills or Aspen, Colorado, s holes in terms of extreme materialism, right? I guess it. All right, Chris. So let me ask you this, Christopher. Even though that's not your name, Chris. Uh, what about an outdoor latrine or an outhouse? Is that an s hole? I think literally speaking, if we're talking in literal terms, I think it is. Yeah. May? Yes. Okay, so there are assholes. Yes. Okay, in the world. Well, that's why it's so offensive to call something that's not one of those. One I of find those. Uh, Trump beyond socially obnoxious, but in a private conversation, can you say, yeah, you know, I was in the Sudan. It's kind of an asshole. 
I suppose you could. But again, we're coming back to this thing with, you know, great power, great responsibility. It's the same thing that we're talking about with James Franco and Aziz Ansari and anybody else. It's like if you're in a position where you're visible to a lot of people, you're kind of yeah, held my, to a standard. This guy that's like a colleague who's a businessman in Portland who, you know, I don't agree with him. We disagree. I always say that, uh, you know, if there was somebody I thought that was a bad person, I wouldn't be friends with them. But I do try to keep friends with people that I think are decent in terms of the way they operate in life and that I disagree with because I think it's really unhealthy and uh, Portland can sometimes have a reputation for people that just hang out with people that affirm their point of view and I don't want to be that guy, right? Um, But in a private conversation, this guy, he's not in a position of authority. We're sitting in a living room and he says, yeah, you know, I was in Kabul. It's kind of an asshole. I think if you're, it all comes down to intent. Like if your intent is to drive the conversation further and invite someone else to weigh in and maybe learn about somebody else's perspective, then yeah, I think that's fine. But if your intention is to shut the conversation down and not hear anybody else's perspective, then no, I don't think it's appropriate. Um, if you're slinging it around as an insult, like then yeah. you're just being insulting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, right. that's not admirable. Okay. So really, what, okay. So what really we're really talking about here is they're not really assholes. They're called developing countries, okay? And that there's geographical reasons and historical reasons that uh, they may not be as modern as our country. And sometimes you could even say there's a theory called development theory that argues that uh, uh, British colonialism and um, and uh, other factors lead to them being underdeveloped. Okay, I'd say that's a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, so, and geography, meaning if you... Um, are in Western Europe and you've got to survive uh, uh, year round, you need to cultivate crops, you're going to develop technology to do that. Whereas if you have a place where food and game are abundant, you don't need to do a ton of work to eat. uh, You're not going to develop technology as fast, right? As Chris always says, nobody's solving cold fusion in Montego Bay. Right. (laughs) Right. I have said that many times. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, Chris, uh, Donald Trump wants Norwegians. Okay. Why can't Norwegians come here? Um, I think the whole point of America is to invite assholers. I mean, doesn't it basically say that on the Statue of Liberty? Like, give us your assholers. Yeah. Right. Because you're tired of your week, your assholers. Yeah. (laughs) So that last part is just like kind of faded away. It's ad-lib. <laughs> right. okay. So so wait, where did this come out that Donald Trump wants wants? No, in that whole thing when he said, "Why can't we have more people from Norway?" Oh, really? Wow. And not people from asshole countries. And Norway was like, "No thanks." <laughs> well, we're good. Well, I don't. What will the people from? What will the Norwegians do here, Chris? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, if, man. if they come, what will teach they us, teach us make? Um, Fika. Isn't that the word for like Scandinavian sweets? I don't know. They fish. What do, what do Norwegians make? They fish. They're fishermen. It's a yeah. lot of like cured cured fish and <laughs> cured. crackers. I think. Yeah. No, I'm sure that there's you know Oslo is a modern city, right? And there's more going on yeah. there. Um, so the the problem with comparing developing countries to a lot of these kind of white. Western European countries is they get a lot of free stuff. So I don't think like Norwegians are looking to free education and free healthcare. I don't think they're looking to pack up and run to a place where they've got to go into debt to go to school and, and worry about if they get sick, that they're not going to be able to take care of themselves or yeah. massive, higher, right? higher infant mortality rate. Yeah. So yeah. it could be 
Yeah, that uh, that there's not an extreme drive for the Norwegian populace to get up and strike out for America. Whereas if you were in a country that was developing, that had economic problems, uh, you might be very, very motivated to go to a place where you could work your, work your butt off and uh, make something that you couldn't make in your home country. Man, I got to send you this video about the uh, origins of sri- sriracha hot sauce. Do you eat sriracha hot sauce? Mm-hmm. S- sriracha? Sriracha hot sauce. Sriracha? It's actually spelled sriracha and I was pronouncing it weird, but sriracha hot sauce. Okay, yeah. It's like it was, uh, the guy who um, came up with sriracha hot sauce was in the South Vietnamese army during the Vietnam War and then after the war ended when the South Vietnamese... Um, American sympathizers, whatever, had to flee the country because the North Vietnamese army were going to persecute them and put them to death and whatever. It was a really tumultuous time after we pulled out of there, right? So he fled to the U.S. and came to, I believe, L.A. and uh, started making Vietnamese-style hot sauce that we now know as sriracha. And it's this amazing, like, American um, American success story, you know, like the American dream success story. Now he's, like making i think it was like 500 million in profit last year and wow. it was a company that he started on his sriracha own. does 500 million a year <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know but anyway it was this Seems amazing, like a lot of hot sauce but but it's an s-hole country by trump standard of things and this guy came here and now he makes you know well there's yeah, amazing, amazing i mean something like 18 percent of small businesses are immigrant run yeah and that's large. And when the immigrants are only 13 percent of the population are, are entrepreneurs and starting small businesses, small business is about 50 percent of the economy. Amazing. So when you look at the actual statistics, um, these immigrants are incredibly entrepreneurial. And they're this is this is responsible for 50 almost practically 50 percent of employer firms in the United States. And immigrants make up a huge section of that more than their percentage that they are in the population so the the, i think if when you dig into the statistics you find that these guys i have a feeling that those immigrants that are um starting these small businesses and crushing it because they're driven and they have work ethic and they have hope it they're not from norway they're from nigeria they're from bangladesh they're from places where they really 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 appreciate the opportunity that they have here. I mean, oh yeah, I found this thing where the Oxford Dictionary defines uh, an asshole as vulgar slang, an extremely shabby or otherwise unpleasant place. You could say that about places in downtown Portland. Sure. Okay. Right. Well, so to your to your point about you know immigrants, it's the necessity is the mother of invention thing, right? right. Like if you're if you're in a state of need, you're more likely to. But it's a kind of incredible. I mean, Trump. So I'm agreeing with you. I mean, Trump is just so cynical and so divisive and just there's no way a U.S. president should be saying something so stupid in front of lawmakers. Right. Um, and just so it's reflective of an attitude which reflective and it feels incredibly racial in tone, especially when you're saying, you know, you're pointing out countries like Haiti and Africa where you don't want people from no matter how incredible the people are and what they've been through and what they've survived and how they keep going. And you say you want people from Norway. It sounds racial. He, it's not like he's saying, yeah, you know, very... why can't we get more, you know, why do we have to have people from, you know, uh, why can't we get more Estonians? Right. It's he's, it seems it's like a pro Aryan. Yeah. It's very racial. Right. And what happens like 
you would think I would have thought that if a president said something like that, that that would be it. Just people. I mean, people are in the streets protesting all over the country. But does his base just nod and agree and just say, yeah, he's just talking straight. Is that. That's a great question, man. I mean, this was, you know, a topic that I talked about at that um, Pechacucha event in December. You know, what what does his base say? I'd rather I'd rather ask people that are Trump supporters to their face what they think of it than, you know, hear what someone I think in the they media talk is like saying that. about it. Well, I have um, Vice President Mike Pence says he, quote, knows the president's heart. So I wonder, you know, how much latitude do we give people when they use language that's offensive or vulgar and how do we manage that well that's a good question i mean i think that the pc movement is very dangerous and it's sad that that's been a left movement because what it does is if everybody knows the kind of proper words to use it drives the their real views under under cover right so i think that uh the president speaks his heart daily on twitter and that yeah. Mark Twentz, if Mark Pence says he knows his heart, then he knows that his the Twitter president account. talks like an S bag. Okay, yeah. um, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, we li- it's a sad state of affairs when you find yourself like sitting and and reminiscing and pondering the days of W, you know, a Bush too. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, you're in trouble when you long for the humanist rationality and the days of Bush two and, and Cheney. Yeah. Right? When you're like, oh, wasn't it great back then when yeah. we had Cheney in the White House and it was just so it was all bunny rabbits and candy corn and unicorns, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know more profiteering. Yeah. Um anyway, I also I read some interesting things about uh Norway today. And Norway's got some interesting problems. Uh they have a Reindeer feces covers the streets no. of Oslo. That's new it's everywhere. News to me. Okay, it's literally an Oslo. That's not is true. Is that real? No. <laughs> Come on. No, but it, what is true is they have a problem in Norway with, uh, like their their freight trains killing reindeer. Really? Yeah. So the reindeers are really adorable. A real thing. Huh? Yeah, like reindeer. hundreds of these reindeers are dying every day. Packs of them. Uh, because they're getting hit by trains and various things. And uh, I think any country that allows for the, you know, the, the, the ongoing slaughter of reindeer might be have S-hole characteristics. You should tweet at Trump and see if he knows about that statistic and be like, do you really want to invite those cultures here? We're going to have a reindeer train track problem in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's every place has good people and bad people. President Trump, you know, when I when I okay, you know, when I put those when I hear those words together, President Trump, I remember when he got elected a year ago and it started Mm -hmm. and I would just every time I would put on CNN or NPR and I would find myself like literally having to turn it off. Like I just the two words together, President Trump, there was something about it. I don't know if it was the reality TV. Seems like a joke for sure. Yeah, but it was like I literally would like start to feel like I wanted to throw up in my mouth and then I would have to just, I can't, I just don't want to hear those words together. So I think I'm now getting used to hearing those words together. Just wait till you're saying President Kanye in a couple of years. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm voting for Kanye. (laughs) For sure. Everybody else got to vote for a reality TV star. Why don't I get to? Well, I think Oprah's going to run. 
I'm going Kanye over Oprah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Kanye. Really? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? What do you think about this concept of uh, somebody like Oprah, who's built up, you know, three decades of love and adoration, um, and who's very powerful, uh, but she's a Hollywood person. And she's got no history in lawmaking. I mean, policy. I'd be curious to hear what her stances are and, you know, various things and hear what her ideas are. And I'm not going to, like, rule someone out until I hear what they So you would say. take Oprah seriously? Until she gave me a reason not to. But you're, this is coming from a person that said they would vote for Kanye. Are you, are the Kanye thing is a joke, right? No. <laughs> Yeezy for president? Come yeah, on, you, okay, guys so, are, so you guys are making a mockery. The right? Oprah thing. I mean, I'm a huge Kanye fan, and I'm I'm I defend Kanye. I'm one of those people that thinks yeah, he's a, he's misunderstood. Totally, me too. But I don't want Kanye as my president. Like, I think that if I if Kim Kardashian becomes the first lady of the United States, I'm uh, moving to an asshole. Okay, yeah, me too. Okay. Well, so the the all right. So let's take this one at one point at a time. The Oprah thing. I think that the Oprah getting elected is too close to um, oligarchy for my taste. You know what I mean? It's the the rule of the wealthy elite through their through their wealth and connections. Can we elect a brilliant political scientist? Maybe. Yeah, but you can't hold. Listen, I'm not saying I, I'm not. I I probably I need to think about it, but I probably think Oprah for president is a horrible idea. I just need to think about why. Yeah, I haven't really spent a lot okay. of time thinking about it till now. Th- that being said, just because she's a billionaire you can't hold that against her for for being she's a self-made billionaire that comes from nothing she's lived i mean it's kind of incredible what she's accomplished as a black woman in america what she's seen yeah so uh but i'm not sure i want her as president but like you can't hold the fact that she's a a, it's not like she comes from donald trump came was born like the silver spoon yeah he's like the luckiest guy and and all he does is like say divisive things and and things that um make us uh seem separate from each other and kind of feed that right the thing that i always like to say to trump supporters is you know that they talk about the uh draining the swamp and in dc or whatever and it's like well trump was literally born with a silver spoon in his mouth and you know he received a large inheritance or or initial investment uh fund from his father however it worked his father made his fortune through exploiting loopholes in the American legal system and exploiting tax um, benefits to um, entrepreneurs and builders and things like that. I don't. So, how do you know that? That's Fred Trump. Um, I, re- I read a whole piece about it. I would have to dig it up. But right around the time that Trump was campaigning, I was reading about how his father made his fortune and how he then gave. Uh, Donald Trump an initial investment that he used to make his fortune and you know people were saying to me at the time that he was campaigning oh well maybe this is what we need a businessman in there and I said well he's declared bankruptcy something like 11 times and they were like oh well you know that's just part of the perils of business and they were like look at look at what he's built and it's like well he had like millions of dollars to invest so it's the equivalent of, of me taking like if I took 20 bucks from you and I turned it into 25 dollars would you be like whoa it's unbelievable. Good job. No, you'd be like, okay, great. So he took twenty dollars and turned it into twenty five dollars, but on a much larger scale. I'm being very, you know, uh, reductive with my. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, I I just think when you get into any sort of ad hominem attack, I mean, I I think that there's things about, I'm gonna, about Donald Trump that are he's not that are uh, 
that I could, if I was forced to say, find things that I liked about him, I could probably find a couple things that make him uh, acceptable. I mean, I read some, I saw some, I watched that documentary last night on Trump's first year. I mean, the economy is booming. He's taking responsibility for that, right? I'm not saying he, he's behind it, but uh, Wall Street hit an all-time high during his first year. Does he get any credit for those things? I'm not defending know. Donald I'm Trump. I'm just saying, I'm okay. Um, I, I read this article when he first moved into the White House that, like, you know, he's kind of saying to the Secret Service, like, hey, you know, I don't know if I really want to spend that much, you know, all my time here. I, I want to be in New York more. And right. Because if you think about it for him, compared to like Mira Lago and that ridiculous ornate gold thing that he lives on at the top of Drop Tower and his house in Bedford or Mount Kisco. Um, that he thought the White House was kind of an asshole. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> All right. It was uh, good, good enough for Washington, not good enough for Trump. Okay. Well, I didn't really want to end it Trump bashing. I will say one thing you can say about the guy, his family, they all stick around him. Right, he doesn't have any kids off. Uh, have you seen those photos of Melania Trump that um, the people, naked ones? No. <laughs> okay, all right. I like that's where you went. No, no. People are speculating that Melania Trump is like secretly giving like really subtle signals that she's like in captivity and can't voice her. You know, she's like trying to like send signals and photographs. She's like she blinking. Be. Yeah, like, exactly. Dot dash dash. <laughs> yeah, dot, yeah. Dot. Okay. Well, I think we've said it all. Yeah. All right. That. Thank you for listening. This has been Radioactive. I am Jamie Mustard with Chris Regantine and special guest May Arden. Thank you to Will Romy for helping produce the show this week. We will see you next week. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Portland Delivery Dudes, delivering local food from Portland's local restaurants. Delivery to East Portland, available from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day of the week, with no delivery fee for X-Ray members. More info at portland.deliverydudes.com. You're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland, KQAC HD3 Portland, and our sister station, KXRW LP Vancouver, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. X-Ray. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. Uh, my name is Paul Riesmanel. Hello, everybody. Eric Klein here for Radio Survivor, and we're joined on the line by everyone from Radio Survivor via Skype.